This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. Well, I just saved our lives. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I like her as a character. Uh, what are we What are we watching today, Katie? Inside Out? Inside Out. That's right. Did you forget you like what you were one? doing? <laughs> yeah, for a second. <laughs> yeah, we're watching Inside Out. It's a great movie. I think this is actually our first Pixar movie that we've talked about officially. Um, Yeah, it might be. I think you're right. Yeah, it's like our first official Pixar movie, which makes... Which, this is like one of my favorite movies of all time, so why not pick it first? That's why I handed it over to you, because it's one of your favorites of all time. It's not because I forgot how to do the intro to the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. So what's the history of this movie? That's a good question. Um, This one was written and directed by Pete Docter, and then also Ronnie Del Carmen. Um, It was actually kind of hard to figure out in the credits, like where one of those stops and the other begins. Uh, Pete Docter gets a lot of the credit for this one, but he had Ronnie Del Carmen as like a co-director, and then he also had some other writers on it too. Um, But it's obvious as I read more that like Docter's kind of like the main inspiration behind it. So he was inspired by his daughter growing up and like watching her personality change as she got older and kind of hit the end of being a little kid um and just watching her grow from you know tiny kid into kind of a fully realized person and so that's why he wanted to do this movie um the movie in general it has a lot of well-known voice actors in it to play like the different personalities and the different um you know emotions that are there and one of the cool things about the production of this one is that they consulted a lot of psychologists in the making of this movie. Um, a lot of them, it sounded like they leaned on California Berkeley um, pretty heavily, but they pulled from all over the place. And they ended up emphasizing the emotional aspects of interpersonal relationships and focusing on that a lot for this movie, which is very evident if you've ever taken psychology classes around that. Like, it shows up everywhere in this movie, right, Katie? Uh, fancy you say that. I do have a degree in this, so it's great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's why I threw it to you. Um, (laughs) Outside of that, so the critical and audience reception for this one was extremely positive. It grossed $857 million worldwide. So this was the highest grossing Disney animated films in um not ever all over the world but in a bunch of like different territories and countries this is still the highest grossing disney film ever released so in the mex in um the philippines in mexico in india ukraine and russia this still holds the number one spot for the best selling um, or best grossing movie released in those territories and then on top of that it won a bunch of awards but like a like a lot like a lot a lot of awards like normally i list out all the awards and there was no point in trying that this time because i would be here like for 10 minutes just reading awards to you um i wanted to call out a couple of them so um the academy award for the best animated feature that's the main one that's like okay that's huge and just to give you an idea of like just some of the awards this one won or was nominated for it was nominated for 15 different best picture awards 21 best screenplay awards and 40 best animated feature awards from over 50 different organizations and like that's scratching the surface that doesn't even get into like best supporting actors and best actor and music and all of that kind of stuff so yeah if you're interested go look up the awards for this one it's kind of ridiculous um 
Outside of that, the only real spin-off media for Inside Out was the use of the emotion characters in the game Disney Infinity 3.0, which is a Disney game. If you guys have never played it or seen it, you could scan in these like figure characters and they would pop up in the game and you could switch between like you could have like Star Wars characters next to emotions from Inside Out next to Mickey Mouse, like that kind of thing. You know, it's a bunch of different characters that you can scan into this game. And then the other tie in was a mobile puzzle game called Inside Out Thought Bubbles the last thing that i wanted to call out here because i messed this up when we did moana um this is the film that was released alongside the short film lava not moana this is the one that it was so i got it right this time katie man lava is one of those short films like one of the pixar shorts that's like really sad yeah but it's like really good but it's also really good yeah it is so high level what do you think i know you like this one a lot a lot yeah so this is i find that this movie is very very good it was very very well done um this movie makes me emotional every time i watch it like I've, there's never been a time that i've seen this movie that i didn't cry okay that's fair uh, i think that's a fair assessment yes and I think that this movie does an incredible job of teaching an important lesson about mental health and growing up while telling a compelling story. I agree. No, I think it does a great job of all of those things. Like, it's such a good movie. It's so well made. You can tell that it's well researched and they knew what they were doing as they were creating it. And like, it holds up as a basic story. And then it also holds up as like a child developmental psychology movie. And it holds up as a story about family and as a story about it's like there are all of these different things that if it had executed on one of them, it would have been impressive, but because it executes on all of them simultaneously and they're all well done, it's just, it, it's so hard to compare anything else because this movie is so good. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. So into the moments, there's a lot here, Katie. Is there anything specific that you want to talk about? Um, I love... I love the way that they tell the story specifically because you get to watch Riley grow up and develop a more expanded personality with more complicated emotions over time. Um, yeah. Because you're watching kind of two stories at once, right? Because you're like watching Riley grow up, but the main story that you're watching is watching her emotions themselves grow up as well. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts about that is that not only do they add the emotions, as they get older but the control panel for those emotions gets more and more complicated and mm -hmm. it really goes to show you how like as as you develop as a person you get nuance to your feelings right mm -hmm. and when you're a kid it's like joy or sadness like that's how the movie starts it's like one button and it's being fought over by joy and sadness which is such a good metaphor for how it mm -hmm. works um and having seen my own kids grow up to the age that they are now you know i still have preteens i don't have teens yet so we're not all the way through it but you see them evolve this emotional language where like they just don't have words for some of the things for such a long time. And then as they get older, as they get closer to preteen and, you know, like that's kind of the stage we're getting into now, they can understand nuance. They can hold multiple things in their head at the same time. They can feel one way and understand another. And that is all just like complicated parts of being human. And in this movie, they represent that by the control panel getting like installed and upgraded and being bigger with more buttons and more things that it can do. And I just love that as a visual metaphor for it. Yeah, they did a really great job because like the older the older she gets, the more complicated like her islands of personality become. 
Like, and then uh, the co- the control panel itself, like, becomes more complicated. And then they come across more and more things as they're out, like, when Joy and Sadness are out roaming around, like, trying to find their way back to headquarters. New and new things, like, new and more things uh, keep popping up, like, the imaginary boyfriend, things like that. Yeah. Um, I love, Disgust and Fury are two of my favorite characters in this. They're really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I like Disgust a lot. She makes me laugh probably more than anything else in this movie. <laughs> She's super good. And I love that, like, like anger is just, like, one. Like, they picked Lewis Black to do his voice, which is really funny. Um, yep. But also, like, he just, the, the level of anger that he reaches is just hilarious. And how Disgust can get him to get there is so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I found was really interesting because they don't just focus on on Riley, like on Riley's console and her emotions, because they also like jump back and forth between other characters, consoles and emotions as well. Um, And it's, I find it really interesting that which emotional aspect of each of the characters like leads their console. Oh yeah. That's a really good point. Right. So for the mom, sadness is her lead like emotion which might indicate that the mom is prone to depression or might have like might have depression, which is why sadness is the lead of her console. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dad is the opposite, right? Like the dad, the lead emotion that runs the console or runs the like runs the area is anger. Yeah. And then for so, Riley, it's joy. Right? It's joy. Yeah. So for the dad, like maybe he's prone to angry outbursts or like ink, he might have some anger problems, things like that. So it's like it's very interesting to see who runs the console because like, you know, the girl who's at the um, the pizza place. Oh, yeah. Hers is disgust. Disgust yep. runs her console. <laughs> well yeah and then they have fun with it too at the very end of like the credits of the end movie when they jump between all of these random characters that you saw for like five seconds here and there and you get to see all of the like inner consoles of them and like the cat and the dog and stuff like that too i would like to um put my support behind the cat because that is super accurate (laughs) (laughs) when Um, the cat just like walks across the console and the cat literally freaks out and just like runs away that's accurate happens all the time to my cat so if we're talking about like the inner workings of people and the consoles being different and the lead emotion being different, I have to talk about my favorite scene of the movie. That is the most impressive scene of this whole movie. It's do it when they're eating dinner. The mm-hmm. family eating dinner is like by far the best scene of the movie. And it's not the most action packed or anything. It's not like the high point of the story. But when you think about what that scene is doing, it's the most impressive because the family's sitting down to eat dinner. They all have different feelings about they've moved to a new town. They're living in a new place. They're not settled in yet. And they're all coming at it from different places. Like the dad is super stressed because he has this new job and he, you can tell he's like pitching and trying to win business. And like, there's some kind of business opportunity there for him. The mom's trying to make the best of it and get the whole family settled. And there's a lot of moving pieces to that, that she's struggling with. And then Riley's in a new place and she's just like not feeling happiness, you know, and not settling it at the new school. And so that's like, the outward expression of what's happening to those characters. But each of those characters has an inner thought too, where they have all of their emotions at the consoles. And so the entire family dinner scene is jumping back and forth between the inner and 
like the inner thoughts and the outer expressions for all three of those characters in this super dynamic way where it kind of zooms in and zooms out. And then, you know, there's a part where, um, like for the mom, it's like the emotions are like, okay, you have to signal him. Like he needs to get involved. And then it jumps over to the dad and it's like, he wasn't paying attention. And they're like, Oh no, what did we miss? Like, what did she, and you know, it zooms out and his face is just blank. And then it goes back to her console and they're like, Oh, signal him again. (laughs) Like, you know, um, it just works. It works so well because you get you get two complete lines of dialogue and thinking from each character. You get the inner and the outer. And it's like the fact that they're able to execute on that and have it make sense and have it be entertaining all at the same time is by far the most impressive thing in the entire movie for me. Oh, yeah. They did an extremely good job with that because I love how how after like everything happens, she, the, the inner like in, inner thoughts of the mom are like, well, that was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and like on the other side, they're like, the foot is down, sir. The foot has been put down. <laughs> it's yep. just like it's very well done. And they did. It was also really funny too to like pay attention and watch the whole thing happening, like how it played out. And also like the way that Riley would react if somebody, if disgust and, and anger and fear were the ones that were like legitimately running the console. Cause it was like, um, she was scared to answer the question, but she was also like given a lot of attitude and then she was just angry about it. Yeah. And there it's like emotions trying to be other emotions and it's just not working. And it's, it's funny. It's so good. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, what else do you like about this one? I know there's a lot. Okay. So the, the thing that I like the most about this movie is probably the most important lesson that I feel like this movie is trying to teach that it's okay to be sad. Like yeah. that's the whole point I think behind the movie. Cause the scene that gets me every time is uh, at the very end when uh, joy comes to the realization that sometimes some of the happiest moments in Riley's life were because of some of the saddest ones. And Joy was always so stuck in this thought that, like, Riley had to be happy. She has to be happy. And, like, the whole time, sadness is like, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel right. Like, something is wrong. And that was very clear, which is why she kept trying to touch everything and do stuff. It's because Joy was pushing so hard for Riley to be happy that she was completely ignoring the fact that Riley was actually sad. And that's the emotion that she needed to feel. Right. Um, so that's what I like. I really like that. Cause when she finally comes to that realization that it's okay to be sad, like when she's down, um, looking at one of the core memories and she pushes it back and it turns blue and she watches like Riley being sad. And because of her sadness, it brought her family to her. And then be after that was when the team came over. So something that was sad ended up turning out to be something very happy, which was one of those happy family moments that powered her, like her family island of her personality, right? Yeah. Um, so you watch Joy grow throughout it and come to the realization that each emotion is just as important as any other one. And that sadness, like being sad, it's okay. 
Yeah, well, and I I really like that thought, like the thought and the concept of core memories and how it's like memories you keep revisiting and they kind of power parts of your personality. That's a really interesting twist on Mm -hmm. it, you know, as a way to visualize some of that and make a story around your inner life. Um, I also really like at the end when they do finally come to terms with it as emotions, they learn how to make memories that are two emotions at the same time. You know, you can feel yeah. more than one thing about an event. You, it can be both simultaneously, and that's okay. Um, I think that's a really cool lesson, too. Yeah, I really like when um, when sadness is like she, when Joy hands over the core memories to sadness, and they all turn blue, and she shows each of them. And then when she has Joy come over and the two of them push down on the button together on the console, it yeah. creates the happy and sad memory and it also changes the color of the console itself it becomes both blue and yellow at the same time and then later on in the movie you see there are multiple core memories that are different colors at the same time yeah exactly so um i love it a a couple other things that like they're not part of the bigger discussion right i think Mm -hmm. we hit most of the big things that we wanted to but i pulled out a bunch of little things that i just love because they play around with this movie um at one point she gets a brain freeze and the brain freeze oh is God. represented by like the entire <laughs> core console just freezing and that whole room turns into ice and icicles and all the emotions freeze up um like <laughs> i love good. that part the uh there's a train of thought and so the train of thought only runs while she's awake when she's asleep the train of thought isn't moving and i was like oh yeah okay i get it i see what you're doing that's fantastic and so they're trying to ride the train of thought to the main processor and it's like yeah okay i gotta applaud you for that um there's an area in between places of the mind for abstract thought and like things just get weird there (laughs) and that whole sequence is fun when they get trapped in this abstract thought and like start to you know change dimensions and it gets twisted um there's a whole imagination land and imagination land is slowly being like destroyed and renovated because she's growing up and so like the imaginational parts are like fading you know and it's changing (laughs) that's where her imaginary boyfriend is i would die for riley yeah he's from canada obviously (laughs) so good it is that's where bing bong is too yeah bing bong that part was also really sad (laughs) yeah bing bong the imaginary friend um and then probably one of my favorite that's more subtle is um the newspapers that anger reads mm-hmm. they're always like the headlines on the front page are always extremely relevant to what's happening like that second so it's not like a newspaper that got there that was like an emotion for the day or like an overriding thought about the day it's like a headline for something that happened like two seconds before they cut over to him and i just i love that because you never see it change right you never see him like get a paper delivered but it's always more relevant than it could possibly be and it's just (laughs) funny to me it's so good like they were so good at every small thing that they did because you know like when the train crashes right that would be like losing a train of thought yeah yeah exactly yeah, and then I love when like they bump in and then the facts and opinions get mixed up. They're like they look the same. They're like, is there a difference? <laughs> yeah, and then they go, Oh, that gets that happens all the time, don't worry about it. And he just like picks it up and puts them all in the facts and I was like, Yeah, it's it's pretty damn accurate. <laughs> Yeah, and like when, you know, they're on the train of thought and zipping past a bunch of sections of the mind and he goes, there's deja vu and there's this and there's deja vu and there's this other thing and there's deja vu. And like every time it makes me laugh because it's like, oh, it's such a low hanging joke, but it works anyway. 
That one. And then the one where, like, you know how, like, you just randomly get, like, a song stuck in your head or something that you haven't <laughs> thought of for a long time just, like, pops up? Yeah. Like, when they keep sending the gum commercial back up? Yep. And, like, they always get so angry about it. They're like, oh, this thing again. Well, and I so like it because when they send it up, all of the core emotions get really upset. They're like, oh, this thing again. Like, oh. Uh. But then when it, the, the one time when they send that, like, gum commercial up to Central Processing, and then it zooms mm-hmm. out to Riley, she's, like, doing something else. She's having a conversation with a friend, but she just kind of absentmindedly, without realizing it, just starts singing it under her breath. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's exactly how it works. That is exactly what happens. It's yeah. really weird how accurately they portray um, just like things that just happen to you. Yeah. Like they did so such a good, good job with it. Um, so That probably brings us to the bad and the good. This might be the first one where I don't have a bad thing. I couldn't like, think of anything. It's so hard to find something bad about this movie because there is nothing. Yeah, and it. you know, I can usually be nitpicky, but this one's so good that I don't want to be nitpicky, so I'm not going yeah. to. So, yeah, um, the good for this one for me, um, I love the emotions. I think the joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger, that's a really good, like, um, quintuple group that they featured, you know, as kind of like a core cast. And then I really liked all the family bonding and kind of seeing what happens over time as a family as a kid grows up, because I'm in the middle of that right now. And so that definitely strikes a chord. Yep. I just put everything because everything about this movie is very well done. They went down to the bare bones of emotions. Like these five are it. They're like the the bare bones of what makes up a person. And they did a really good job of showing how the character themselves grows. And then they show how the emotions themselves grow. And I'm low-key really want a second one because I want to know about Vampire Romance Island. (laughs) Like, and also when they added the new console, right? They're like, what's puberty? They're like, I don't know, but we don't need that. And I'm like, but do you? Yeah, they're like, eh, it probably doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. I see what you're doing. Um, Yeah. So would we watch it again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, 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 absolutely. I think this is probably one of the stronger Disney movies out there overall out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to watch along what we have coming up, we're going to do Mulan from 2020. So that's the live action remake. Uh, Tron Legacy from 2010. Tarzan from uh, 1999. And that wraps up the Disney Renaissance. And then we're going to do a goofy movie, which should be included in the Disney Renaissance, but it gets overlooked for some reason. So we're going to dig back into that because that's an interesting one to include. Um, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com subscribe to get it sent to you that brings us to weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week katie what have you been up to um well i started another korean drama because i ran out of episodes of the other one i was watching um i started doom at your service which seems to be pretty interesting all right um it's about this girl who basically gets diagnosed with a brain tumor and she has a hundred days left to live okay um so while she's like a lot of things just like bad things just kind of happen to her all in that one day right like she gets the bad news about that she's gonna die and then she has 100 days to live and then something happened with her job found out that her boyfriend was married like all of these like really awful things happen to her all at once so then she sort of wishes doom on the whole world and doom is a person like embodied within a person so he like shows up at her door and he's like i'm here what do you want to do and she's like 
who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now she basically has like a contract with the Doom who I don't know what's I've only watched like one and three quarters of the second episode so far. Um, But it has some of my favorite K-drama actors and it seems pretty interesting. So I'm now going to just keep going with it and see what happens. Fun. Um, and then when I was in Seattle, I was introduced to like, I know about RuPaul's Drag Race, but I've never actually like watched an episode or anything like that. Well, my, my friend, he's him and his girlfriend watch the show all the time. And they introduced me to a drag queen by the name of Lawrence Cheney. And she's from Scotland and she won drag race, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK season two. Okay. Um, She's amazing and super funny, extremely Scottish, super dry, like, like humor. And she's just amazing. So we started watching her season and now I'm hooked and have to figure out a way to watch the rest of it because I want to see what happens. Cool. Yeah, that's fun. I know uh, my wife has watched a bunch of those. So I've dipped in and out of that show and it's it's always interesting. It's very interesting. But like one of the things that I absolutely love about like learning more about uh, drag queens is how quickly and how amazing they can do their makeup. <laughs> it's so impressive. It's like, well done. Um, well, yeah, for me in the last week, um, I have a handful of new podcasts that I've been listening to. And I'm always kind of like looking for new podcasts. And after a while, if I settle on a couple new ones, I always like to highlight them. So um, the Fire Escape cast is one that I started recently. It's um, Dan Reichert, who used to be a giant bomb and hasn't been for a while. And it's kind of, it's centered around video games, but it's one of those really long podcasts where it's like three hours per episode and it kind of rambles and goes a bunch of different directions, but the conversation is always interesting to tune into. So I like that one. Um, and then two other ones that I wanted to highlight from this new, new-ish, it's not brand new, but um, Fanbyte Media is like a new media company organization that has been starting up in the last couple years here and they cover a bunch of geeky things you know which kind of fits with our network um but they definitely have video game content and so two of their podcasts that i've been listening to are video game based um one is their main video game feed which is just called channel f for you know channel fanbite but channel f um and then the other one is called 99 potions and that one is their like rpg podcast which i think that's clever too so yeah i've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and kind of enjoying all of those and getting them into my regular rotation so that's been super fun and i listen to a lot of podcasts so it's nice to throw out recommendations every once in a while you do listen to a lot of podcasts like i don't understand how you listen to so many (laughs) do we want to talk about how many that is tell them how many say how many hours of podcasts you listen to a week oh uh hours probably 40 to 50 that's so many hours ish i mean you know you listen to them on 2x speed and then you remove the silence in your podcast player and it's 2x speed people it's more like two and a half times speed once you remove that it's it's fine it's not i have you know you got to do something while you're doing the dishes and on the treadmill and you know that kind of stuff like just to fill the time doing the laundry there's a lot that goes into a family of four and making sure the house keeps maintained so there's a lot of podcast time just let you know while you're listening to your 2x speed but people don't sound like chipmunks because on the app that you use they don't sound Correct. like chipmunks okay yes absolutely that's insane but i don't know how you, you're not a human maybe <laughs> Thanks, i don't I think know. no um, you are a human i know you are um, yeah 
whatever with thoughts and emotions much like this movie and that's probably where we'll end for this week you guys can find us all over the internet our email address is disneyforeverpodcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at disneyeverpod and you can talk to us in real time by joining our slack workspace or discord server i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm also on the geek to geek podcast with bj keaton and you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. And I'm also the co-host of two other podcasts um, with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? Uh, I already said I want a sequel to this movie, so I need to do it. <laughs>